You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. The title of uh, my sermon today is called The Story of Joseph, and that's not a typo. It's not the story of Jesus. I, I want to focus on the story of Joseph, uh, and there's a reason why, all right? You know, a few years ago, uh, I was talking to a friend, and for the most part, you know, I actually don't really um, remember conversations that well, right? I don't, my memory isn't that great. I can remember kind of like the the outer layers of it or like kind of the gist of it. But for some reason, this conversation I had with my friend, which was like three, four years ago, um, I remember word for word. And the thing is, I don't remember exactly what I was wearing or what they were wearing. I don't actually remember what our meeting was for. Um, but I do remember their words. Because we were talking about our future. Like my, I was talking about my future and, and what I wanted to accomplish and, and the things that I thought were uh, important and, and how I should be moving forward. And, and I remember they, they told me, they said, um, Danny, do you realize that every time you make a decision, uh, you say that I want to do this because I'm afraid of this? Do you realize that every time that you are saying an outcome, the reason that you're giving it is because you're saying that you're afraid of something? Like, I, you, Danny, do you realize that when you say, oh, I want to go in this direction, it's because I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint this person. It's because I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to do this other thing. I'm afraid of this other outcome. And this person said, did you realize that? And for me, I said, no, I, I, that's not, I don't do that. No, of course not. I don't, I don't say that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid because I'm a man, Right? I'm a man, I, men aren't afraid of those things. And so I quickly just brushed it off and I went home. But that night, I just, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I kept replaying those words in my head. And I kept replaying them because I, I, I thought that they were so wrong. Because I, I was so sure that my decisions were made because I cared about the people around me. I was so sure that I was making the decision because I cared about not only myself, but I cared about my parents. I cared about my friends, and I cared about these different things. So I thought that I was making those decisions out of love. But the more I thought about it, and the more I realized what they were saying, I realized that it was true, that I was making my decisions out of fear. You know, there's this, um, an article by a famous psychologist named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she actually wrote about this. She said that humans have two basic emotions, that all other emotions, and therefore all other actions and behaviors derive from. And she said those two emotions are love and fear. Love and fear. So what you do and how you think and how you behave is all based upon these two emotions. You know, this passage, it talks about the very first Christmas, the day that Jesus was born into this world. 
But it's interesting because it was done through the perspective of Joseph. And it's going to be even more interesting because he's going to have to make a decision. And it's a very, very difficult decision. You see, Joseph and Mary, they were engaged to be married. And back then during that time, to be engaged to be married was as serious as being married. And so that's why in the Bible, it, it talks about how Joseph, he was going to divorce her quietly. Because when you break off an engagement, that is almost the, the same thing as breaking off a marriage. And so Joseph, out of what he believes is love, he says, you know what, I'm going to separate, separate from her quietly. I'm not going to bring any trouble. You know what, I, I, can, I can cause a scene, I can do all these things. That, she was the one who got pregnant. She was the one who made a mistake. I'm not going to do anything. So I can, I can, you know what, I can just throw her to the wolves. But you know what, because I love her, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to publicly shame her. I'm going to just quietly slip away. It's because I care about her. But you see, verse 20 is when Joseph's world gets flipped upside down. Because an angel appears to him in a dream. And the angel, it doesn't say, you know what, I, I know that you are acting out of love. Joseph, I, I know that it's because you cared, and that's why. So, but, but let's just change this little thing. No, the angel says, do not be afraid, Joseph. You're being afraid right now. You're working out of fear. Don't be afraid. You see, Joseph, he knew that Mary's life was over. At that time, if you became pregnant out of wedlock, you would be, at the very least, cut off from your family. You would be socially disgraced. You would be considered an outcast. And you know what? Joseph, he knew something. He knew that the people there weren't stupid. Look, if you get married in January and you have a, and you have a baby in February, people are going to know what happened. And you see, if he marries her, he's telling the world, he's telling everyone there that it wasn't just her mistake, it was their mistake. It's not only going to be her disgrace, it's going to be their disgrace. And if they get married, and if they follow through with that, with that then his life is ruined. So the only way that he could be free is to divorce her. The only way he could be truly free from any type of judgment, from any type of fear, is to quietly and quickly slip away. You see, he wasn't working from a place of love for her. He was working from a place of fear from the world. And this is this is the exact same struggle that Christians have. This is the exact same problem that so many of us have. Because for a lot of us, we think that if we're a Christian, all we need to do is just fold our hands and say a prayer. You know what? That's it. You're a Christian. You're good. You can go to heaven and everything is fine. But it's so much more than that. Because one of the defining factors of being a Christian is that the world is completely against everything that you believe. And that is what the definition of what the world and what a Christian is. They're completely at odds against each other. 
You know, we had a life group leaders meeting a couple weeks ago, and we talked about this problem for a little bit. And we were talking about, why isn't, why isn't coming to church natural? Why isn't going to life group just an easy thing? Why do we have to spend so much time asking people to come, inviting people to come, kind of asking all of these different, why, why is it so difficult for people just to come to church to do these types of things? Why is it so hard? That was the problem that we rose. And the reason why is because from the very early age, from the minute that we are born, especially in the U.S., everything is about you. Everything is about me. Everything is about what can make your life better. What can make my life the best that it can be. You know what? If you focus on yourself first, if you invest in yourself, if you invest in, the, in, in what you can do, then everything else will fall into place. And so this world is all about individuality. You need to focus on you. And yet the entire concept of church, and yet what the Bible says is completely and radically opposite. Because what the Bible says is we sacrifice of our time. We give. And when a person is struggling, we give of our time. We give of our resources. Even when it's worse for us, even when it's harder for us, we give and we sacrifice. It's, it's, it's against the entire grain of the world's fabric. And you see Jesus, even a, a few chapters later, he's, he's preaching one of his most fir- famous sermons on a mountain. And, and he's talking to the crowd and he's looking at them. And he says, you know what, are you poor? Then blessed are you. Blessed are you that are poor. Are you weak? I know what the world says, but blessed are you if you're weak. Are you insulted because of me? Are you hurt because of me? Are you persecuted because of me? Then you know what? Blessed are you. That's good. And don't worry because I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. So that's your blessing. That's the good thing. But for a lot of us, we have a, we have a different problem. Because I know for a lot of us, we grew up in the church. We grew up in children's ministry, and, and we went through youth group, and our parents are Christians. And so for us, our social network and, and kind of the world is our friends from church. And so for us, we're, we're so connected with the church. But what I want to ask you is actually the same question. Do you come here and serve? Do you come here and attend church, attend life group because you love Jesus? Or is it because you are afraid of the world? Are you coming to church investing of your time because you believe that there is a living God? And that you want a relationship with him? Or are you afraid of what your family will say if you stop coming to church? Do you believe that there's a God in heaven who loves you and is desperate for you? Or are you just simply afraid that your parents will be upset at you? That your children will think badly of you? That your brother and sister will be upset at you? You know, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had this problem. They were so afraid of the world. They were so afraid of what other people thought. 
And so they would stand up in the middle of the temple, raise their hands, and just pray like that. When they fasted, they would tear their clothes so that everyone could see. And yet they did not know God. You know, the gospel, it, it doesn't make sense to the world. Have you felt that? Have you felt that? You know, for me, I, I attend grad school classes in, in D.C. And um, we do, before every, in the beginning of the semester, when we have our first class, we, you know, we're talking, I'm talking with a lot of the uh, other students, and we're just, you know, goofing around. But without fail, every single class, in the first class, we always do class in introductions. And we're going around, and one by one, they go, oh, my name is blah, 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 and um, I'm, you know, I, I, went, I work at this company, uh, I, I do this, I, I work in this position, and then it comes to me. And I go, my name is Danny, and I'm a pastor at Shining Star Community Church over in Falls Church, Virginia. And they all just, bam, Half of them look at me, just stare. The other half kind of just does a shifty eyes, just looking, like, just out of the corner of their eyes. And the thing, I, I know what they're thinking. Because for them, it doesn't make sense. Why, why, why would I spend so much of my time? Why would we spend our resources? Why would we spend our energy and everything that we have into a church? Why would we give and give and give when the whole world is telling us to invest in us, to invest in us, to invest in us? It doesn't make sense. And yet, that's what Jesus says. And that's what I essentially told our life group leaders during our meeting. It wasn't a particularly happy life group leaders meeting, right? But I told them one thing at the end. And it's actually the most important thing. And it's that even if the entire world is against you, even if the entire world is against us, we have something so much greater than anything in this world. That even if we are going against the very fabric of this world, that even if everyone is looking at us, we have the one. We have Jesus Christ. We have the ace in the hand that no one else does. You see, Joseph and Mary, they were just two teenagers. These poor teenagers. And yet they received and believed in Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate something. And because of that, they were able to experience the greatest event in the history of the world. And their names are written in the book of life. So do not be afraid, because you have the name of Jesus. That name, it changes everything for us. In verse 21, the angel, he tells Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus. And we've been talking about this concept a lot of naming, but I, it's so important that I want to hit it extra hard today. Because a lot of us will just skip through this verse. We just read it and we, we go by it. 
But it's so important, the nuance of what the angel says here. Because what the angel is saying is that Joseph did not give Jesus his name. Let me read to you again what it says. Mary will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. Not you will give him a name. It says you will give him the name Jesus. The angel is telling Joseph that you have no authority over this child. And, for, and the only time in history that this is true, that for the first time, a, a parent has no authority over their child. You see, when I have a son or a daughter, I'm going to name them. That's my responsibility. It's my privilege to name them. Because I'm going to have authority over them as their father. And it will be my responsibility to raise them and to teach them how to live faithfully. And what that means for us as well is that we do not name Jesus either. He actually names us. That means Jesus is our authority and we follow what he says. And the thing is, for a lot of us, we think that we can put our own expectations, we can put our own desires and put our own name upon who God is. And so in our circumstances and in our situations and whatever we're going through, we think, you know what, God, I, you need to be moving in this direction. God, as I pray, I want you to do exactly how I expect you to do because I'm going to put my name upon you. God, I named you, so you follow kind of what I say. God, this is how I'm going to pray, and you have to fit the bubble of my prayer. And yet Jesus was never given a name by Joseph. He was never given a name by anyone in this world. He already had a name. He gave his name to Joseph. He gives his name to us. And that needs to be our mindset from the very beginning and whatever you're going through. That needs to be in any situation as we pray, say, God, let your will be done. Let your name be accomplished. Let the things that you want to be done, and I will follow after you. This is the opposite of what the world thinks, and yet it's the very core of what the gospel is. Because these two mindsets, it's about fear and it's about love. The world teaches us to be fearful of others, and it's so ingrained in us from the very beginning of when Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of Eden, and the serpent comes up to them, and, they, and the serpent goes, hey, there's something that God is hiding from you. God doesn't want you to have this one thing. And so for us, we think, oh, if we don't take what's ours, then, then, it's not gonna, then, then someone else is going to take it. That God, he's hiding something from me. I'm afraid that if I, if I don't reach out and take it, that it's not going to be given to me. So we have this automatic mindset that if we give to others, and especially when we give to God, that we're losing something. But in the Bible, it says that perfect love, it casts out all fear. And it's not our perfect love, but it's the perfect love of Jesus and how he came down on earth. And so, what can we do but follow his example? And it's, it's, it's so crazy because God is so smart in this. He's so smart because 
you'll realize that as you give more and as you sacrifice more, you actually don't lose anything. In fact, it's the opposite. You begin to gain more. You begin to gain more and more and more. And you become more of who you're supposed to be. You know, I'm, I'm not married, but I've seen a lot of healthy marriages. But I've also seen a lot of unhealthy marriages too. And one thing that I've been able to see is that I know that when you get married, you can't make decisions like how you did when you were single. You give up your independence. You give up on what you want. And you give up on yourself and you sacrifice for the other person. You give to one another. And what I've seen is that the more a couple gives to one another, the more they become one. The more they become a true marriage. They give up much, they do, but they gain so much more. You know, Joseph, he went through so much in this passage, the story of Joseph. But he had to make a choice. Because in that moment, he knew what was going to happen to Mary. In that time, as someone broke their engagement out of unfaithfulness, which was what everyone thought Mary had did, then they were supposed to be killed in Deuteronomy 22. At the very least, she'd be considered the worst of the worst. She'd be thrown out. She'd be outcast. She would be constantly on the verge of starvation. And so Joseph, he had two choices he could have made. One out of fear and one out of love. If he chose fear, then he would have divorced her quietly, stepped aside, and chosen his own freedom, and let her to her own consequences. But if he chose love, he would give up on himself. He would give up his reputation. He would give up his status. He would give up everything so that she could have a life as well. You know, in January of 1982, um, there was a flight coming out from Reagan National about 20 minutes away from here. And um, it was a really, really cold day, and there was ice on the wing, on the wingtips, and the pilot didn't know. And so as they started to go up, the plane malfunctioned, and it started to fall and actually crashed on 14th Street Bridge uh, over the Potomac. And as the plane was sinking, it actually broke in half, and so the, as the helicopter, the rescue helicopter came, only the tail was left. And what they were able to see was that there was one man who was fairly unhurt. He was still able to move around. His name was Arland Williams. And so they lowered their, uh, the harness to save him. And as they were raising back up, they realized that it was someone else in the harness, that he, was, that he had saved someone else. And so they saved this one man. They put down the harness again. Second time, it was someone else again. Third. Fourth, five times it went down, and it was someone new. It was someone different. 
The sixth time they looked over and they saw that the plane had sunk completely down. Later, they found the remains of Arlen Williams. He sacrificed himself so that others could live. Jesus, he gave up his throne in heaven. He came down to earth as a child, born in a stable. He was born a carpenter's son. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was insulted. He was crucified for the very people he came to save. Jesus, he chose us. He came to save us. It takes courage to choose Jesus. It does. But when you do and you give up your life to him, you gain so much more. If you're broken, if you're hurt, if you, if you have had something bad happen to you, look at me, church. If you have had an abortion, if you have had divorce, if you have had bad things in your life, Jesus, he could have chosen anyone in this world to come from. He could have chosen kings. He could have chosen the richest person in the world. And yet, he chose two unwed teenagers. If you are broken, you're not broken in the sight of God. If you are hurt, God is able to heal you. You are not trash. You are not dirty. You are not a rag. Your past does not define you. Your past is not you. God has taken over. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Your past, it defines much of you, but it does not define you. The things that you have done in your life, those aren't you. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, his blood covers you from head to toe. You are loved, and he came down to earth to save you, to save me, to save us. Let's pray. We could just take a few minutes just to reflect on what God has done for us. He came down to these two unwed teenagers who were so poor, who had nothing, and yet he radically changed their lives. And now their names are in the Bible. And more than that, their names or in the book of life. They are in heaven. You are precious in the sight of God. You are loved by the Most High. Your past, the things that you have done, the hurts that you have experienced, those are a part of who you are. They are. 
but the blood of Jesus covers you. You are not a dirty rag. You are not trash. You are precious. You are the son of the Most High God. You are the daughter of the Lord. That is your identity now. That is who you are now. Believe in that. Because all other thoughts are not from God. All other thoughts are not from Him. Trust in that, brothers and sisters. Believe in that, church. Continue to pray.